Just trust me, okay? This is Michael, and today, another reunion. Last week we had one. This week we're having another reunion with the amazing Colin McDowell. Hello, sir. Hello, brother. So it's been a minute. I haven't seen you since our days in York County at Grafton. So how have things been going? Things changed a little bit? A whole lot. A whole lot. 20 years has gone by. That's right. So there's a lot to talk about, but there's also all the way before that. So let's get started with where were you born? I was born at Langley Air Force Base back in 1983. Okay. We share the same year then. We're both just as ancient as the other. (laughs) So 1983. And did you stay local the whole time? Uh, I did. We actually moved overseas when I was young for, I think, five years when my dad was in the military to the Azores, where my brother was born. What branch were you in? Or was he in? He was in the Army. Nice. My dad, too. Yeah, that's my dad was Vietnam. What about yours? No. All right. So my dad was old. Dad. I was going to say, your dad's a little bit older yeah, than mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and then we moved back here to Virginia. My dad went to Florida for one year. We ended up just really supplanting our roots right here. Okay. And from there, uh, I moved to L.A. when right after we got out of high school for five years. So while you were in school, and what, um, what kind of job did your dad have in the military? <sighs> he stopped at CW3. That was the rank. Okay. Mm, I mean, I don't remember totally, you know, from those days. He didn't talk a lot about the military. I actually found out a lot about what his military career was like through paperwork. Oh, wow. Passing away. So, oh, okay. Your father passed? When I was 12. Okay. So, after that, um, the main closeness that you had for parents was your mother. Not really. No? No. So, how did that all work out for you? Your dad passed, and then what happened? Um, well, I mean, obviously, this was when... Remember, Grafton was actually formed. Correct. So my first year at Grafton. Oh, you're Grafton, right. Right, so this is like in 1998? Yeah. Okay. So that was middle school. We transferred over in middle school right. then to go to the high school because, remember, they didn't right. have a first graduating class because they were merging York and Yeah, town. we were the first full all the way through graduating class, right. Right. So actually, I think there were two before us. Well, there was two senior classes, but we were the first one that went from freshman to senior. Yeah, yeah, from the middle school. So on the middle right. school side, we were the eighth grade year. So Correct. our eighth grade year. Um, and yeah, and I think that was 97. Yes. Yeah. You're okay. right. Um, so my mother actually did not know how to handle things very well back then. Okay. My dad was really much that manly, like staple of the household. Right. He would make the money, but she was the financier. She right. was a school teacher. Um, and he was like the strength, you know? Okay. And when he passed, she just would go to work and come home and kind of cry herself to sleep kind of wow. thing to t- try to deal. She didn't know how to deal. That had to be hard to see. Oh, man, it was crazy. But I also, you know, didn't react the way she reacts. I was more like my father. So I, that's when I started spinning out and doing crazy stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so do you care to talk about that a little bit? Oh, no, I'm all good with it, man. I'm I'm wide open because to me it's... um, It was so, healing. No, it was lessons. Yeah, to get I, through it. And I've now, you know, realized the value of therapy because of that. Because, nice. You know, it took me years to even recognize therapy, even though when I was young, right. a lot of people didn't know, I was forced when I got an assault charge to go to anger management and have therapy. By How old were you? When I had the assault charge? Correct. Uh, 15, 16 years old. Wow, it's pretty young. So that happened to you, and of course that was seen as you're lashing out. 
Well, yeah, it was, and I had a high disrespect, you know, for like anything authoritarian at that point. My dad was the authority in my life, and and so he was gone, and he was gone. So I just kind of didn't care from that point on. How did you cope with the loss of your father? Did it catch you? I mean, were you close? Very. And, I was his first son, so okay. And we look alike. If you look at my son today, if you go on my Facebook, you'll see that there's just there's <laughs> pictures of me as a kid with my dad that I have a few of, and then you oh, see wow. him and me, and there's just. My dad's genes are like totally strong with me. I okay. I don't know what that is, but um, yeah, no, I, how do I say it? Um, I guess I'll just do a blunt. I mean, I, I was forced into doing so. I was angry. And so I had a lot of friends outside of Grafton that went to Woodside, Menchville. Phoenix. Right. So that's when I started skipping out of Grafton because, you know, we didn't have like real security or no. cameras. And so. I yeah. had a car, so I just go drive, go over to Woodside, pick up my boys, walk in there, go do stuff, and right. you, know, you get into drugs, and I got into stealing, and you get into yep. you know, you just I, I tailspun like, and because I didn't really care and I had no fear, right? I mean, there I'm hanging out with older folk. You know, so were you not really close with those that you were in school with? You started becoming closer with people outside. Uh, yeah, for a while there. Actually, it wasn't until really our senior year, okay. because that summer I got into this big like brawl in downtown Newport News with some of my boys from uh, Woodside and uh, Menchville because of a party thing, and one of my friends got into it. So, okay. but, yeah, just in stupid, there's a lot of people that were laying on the ground that I thought were dead in that moment over the summer going into our senior year, and I'm like, man, I'm going to do everything my mom and everybody thinks I'm going to do. I'm going to be in dead or in jail. Right. So so you kind of had like a wake-up moment. Yeah, I had a moment, and I actually kind of, weirdly enough, I was like, man, I don't want to go deal with this again. So I actually, like cold turkey, just stopped talking and was like silent for a little while, like in my house for two weeks of the summer where wow. I wouldn't even talk to a soul because I felt like police are going to come get me. They right. know I was there, and... It never happened, but it made me go into our school year and senior year and say, you know what, I'm failing. I need to figure out a way to pass. Or I'm going to be like that Van Wilder, right, sitting behind <laughs> right, everybody right. else. And, I mean, a lot of my classes, too, it was kind of funny. I've developed friendships now that I have to this day from younger people at Grafton wow. in that year, like Nakia Slade, and I became really good friends because she was younger than us. Right, right. I'm a senior in a class that I repeated three times with her taking oh, it the first time. You see what I'm saying? Gotcha, so yeah. I ended up uh, skinning my teeth because of Miss Goffney. You remember her? Oh my gosh, Miss Lillanue Goffney. I'm, I love her to death. She's still up on Facebook. She's yes, love there. her. She actually, even though I didn't really go to her geometry class because she was the second, I think, time I'd taken geometry. Again, as a senior, I was taking a lot yeah, of repeats. Anybody who was blessed to have her as a teacher never forgets her. No, and she she caught me towards the end of the year because I really did not attend her class, but we right. would talk in the hallways yep. and she would kind of bug me and yeah. like to do stuff in her own cool way. Absolutely. And she passed me and Miss Montini, who was still there, who was a new teacher at the time, right. which me and her now have a very good relationship because her son and my son are like good friends. So it's oh my like gosh, that's crazy. Thing. They both passed me, right. um, which allowed me to graduate and from there it was just like now what's next it was exactly that's what i was wondering so what did your family want you to do they, they just didn't want me to go to jail right that's what i was wondering <laughs> they were like whatever just do something productive yeah um and i lj remember lj yep yep lj was working at best buy yep because me and LJ oh god were, i remember that i think i bought my st- my first um vehicle stereo with from him <laughs> right because there was this new hot thing in town yeah and they were paying good money for yep. what it was at the time and he was like, I'll get you a job. So he got me a job there. 
little I know, like a year and a half later, like that transitioned me into becoming management and stuff there. Wow. And so I'm young and I yeah. know I could do this without college. Making so much money. I mean, well, <laughs> really, when I looked at it, I was like 19 years old and their pay package back then, if I can remember correct, with the stocks, with everything, is like 50 grand. Okay. So you're not That's not bad. You're making 50 grand a year. Yeah. You don't have no money since. Yeah, exactly. And so I, <laughs> I spent and unwisely did stupid things. And So you're how old at this point? You're 19? 19, 20. Okay. Yeah. And right about then, I, you know, I just started trying to explore how can I... So you launched fully into that post-graduation. You're like, I'm just going to go into this. I'm going to go into management. It, it was kind of my only way to keep focus because gotcha. I needed something to just keep me busy. Right. Right. So I had to just work, work, work. Yeah. And that did. And they kept me busy. And that's what, you know, eventually I became friends with Trent Garrett. Okay. In Oh, yeah. He went to school with us. He did, but we weren't friends. Right. I didn't know Wasn't him. he like a year younger? Yes. Yeah. He was my brother's age. Okay. Right. So I ended up meeting him through a Menchville friend that he became cool with somehow, some way. Okay. After we were out of school. And yeah, because I think you know the family that lived next door to us. They were very close with the Garrett family as well. What was the family? The Howards. Howards. That yes. That sound familiar. Yeah, yeah, the father was is a preacher, still a preacher. Yes. They moved. Yep. Yeah. Yep, so I I only knew of them through them because the other sons were private schooled. Got it. Yep. So we um, we became cool through a mutual friend. Okay. And he literally got into modeling when he graduated because, remember, he's behind us. Well, and I think he was just born looking like that. (laughs) He did did get the... He He got the genetics for it. He got the genetics for it. (laughs) Because if you saw Libby, his mom back in the day, and you... You saw, I mean, beautiful. You see, like it's just insane, man. right? I mean, Libby still to this day. If you look at her, she is gorgeous, and everyone knows Greg has a billion dollar smile. <laughs> that man's charismatic as all can be. Like, of course, it's his greatest God given gift yep. that he's gotten. Uh, so Trent and I became real cool. I used to go up to New York City, hang out with him. Okay, he got really tired of it. Like so, when I had off time, I go kick it because you know I want to get out the city. Of course, who didn't? Do it. Right, and. Uh, so then one day I was down in Florida for something. I can't even remember what it was. And he, uh, flew down and he was like, Hey, I want to move to LA. I was like, and you're how old at this point? Like 20, 20, 21. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he literally was like, yeah, I want to move to LA. I was like, okay. He's like, you want to go? I'm like, why not? I'm interested. Yeah. What am I'm I young, doing? Like, <laughs> but it, it kind of helped me again. If I could get out of here, right. would I... Would I learn a lot more? Would I grow in some way? Because I still didn't know what the hell I was doing. Like, I really right. had no clue at all. I mean, I'm I'm trying to figure out, I guess, how not to be an asshole. Right, basically. And actually grow up. Correct. But I didn't have guidance, right? I didn't right. have my mom, my dad. I didn't have people really... You know, I had, like, Jason Guin's parents that were nice enough. And right. And Donnelly's parents yes. were really, you know, cool with me. And, and uh, Molly Elvington's parents were really good at trying to do that christy herrick even her parents like yep. all these little parents around the community trying to be supportive trying to you know but they knew i was being stupid you know and so and I, and throughout all of this with the lack of guidance at home where was your mother she would go to work come home i mean it took so she her, really basically just checked out yeah for well, a while. actually it, her awakening really came when i got the assault charge and she kind of started to come back yeah i, I mean and again this is something and backtracking in high school, a lot of people don't know this. I, um, my mom thought I was going crazy. Because, oh, like mental. Yeah. Okay. To the degree that, you know, guy shows up to the house with six people to try to check you in. No, no, no. Like 
try to fight me oh. because I pulled a dude out of a car, and one of my friends was with me at the house that was from Woodside. Okay, and me and him were going to go fight six people. So she thought like that's crazy, and I didn't care what she was saying. Yeah, my son's losing his mind. Losing mind. So all these things were starting to pattern out, and then one day I like really had had no sleep for like forty eight hours straight. I was on a binge run of like straight smoking marijuana, straight drinking like a champ, like just right. nonstop. And you're only like eighteen at that point, seventeen. Oh no, I'm sixteen. Sixteen at that point. Wow, years old. Yeah. Putting your body through hell. Ooh, yeah, bad. And so I literally got into this anger. I was beating my walls just. And then I would stare and what, play a video game or watch a movie and not talk to anybody. Inexplicably. Just, just inexplic- I was, But I was tired and right. drunk. And Absolutely. I, I, mean, I had no idea what I was doing. But she took me to Riverside. They did an MRI. And they're like, there's nothing here. You might want to try to go get them to the other uh, Hampton River Psychiatric Institute. So she goes and she walks inside. And I walk with her. And she tries to just check me in. And they're like... Well, ma'am, unless he's a danger to himself or anyone else, right? I, we can't do it. And you ha- you weren't suicidal, no, right? But she she told them that uh, just to get me in the just door, just to try That's to how, keep you. How scared she was. Yeah. I'm like, I ain't never threatened to kill myself a day in my life. But it didn't matter at that point because, but the moment she told them that, here comes two people to take me, and I'm in there for a week while we're all in high school being evaluated. And a lot of people had no idea. So, what grade are we talking in high school? Ninth, tenth, eleventh, junior year. Wow, junior year. Okay, I think this might have been the year that they moved me to York. And the one thing I will say is, thank God we did not have cell phones then. Oh my God, man, <laughs> you're you're right. I mean, I'd be paying for a lot of a lot of stuff to yes. do that I did back then. No paper trail. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. So okay, so this happened junior year. So we backtracked to junior year. Yeah. This is what was going on. Your mom kind of had an awakening. What did she start doing to become more invested? Well, I mean, she was just trying to get people to talk to me. My dad's best friend. Okay. Her, like, she was trying to be more present, um, which is more difficult because I was very much more close with my father anyway. Right, right. And my younger brother was always more the mama's boy. Okay. Like, he was, I mean, he's kind so, of like... So he was dynamic. fine. So he was fine, basically. Because how much younger is your brother than you? Ten months. Ten months. So how was his reaction much different than yours, or was it? He was very similar to my mom. He was, you know, if... Anybody knew Corey pre my dad dying, he actually was the one most people actually liked. Because he, <laughs> he was, was more approachable. Well, because he was outgoing. He was, you know, he wore the he'd have the blonde white hair with the neon cl- like he just yep. was an outgoing kid. Okay. And you're that, dark trying to blend into the walls. I didn't like talking. <laughs> yeah. Like, you- today it's funny. I'll talk to anybody. Back then I didn't like talking as much. Okay. Every, you know, we grew around a bunch of people that were good talkers. Like, yeah, we did. There's a lot of people like Jason Gill, like Never Scared, Molly, you know, Chris. They're all talkers. Mm-hmm. I was not so much to talk. So I never understood how anybody would ever wanted to hang out with me. But I guess it's, <laughs> it's the, the shit that, you know. I got myself into they maybe thought was funny or I don't know. So you start being pulled in and kind of a surrogate child to multiple families. Yep. And that kind of pulled you through that. That got you into your focus and everything like that. So if we go back to where we left off, which was that you were in Florida. Oh, yeah. And so you were in Florida and you were about to go to L.A., did, had you communicated any of this thought process to your mother, to your family, no. or you were just one second, She the next thing she knows you're in Florida, next thing she knows you're in L.A.? Pretty much. Okay. Uh, well, actually, it was funny. Is we, I came back from Florida. Okay. I came and told Best Buy because I was a manager. I said I want to transfer because I know I could transfer. You got stores out there. I'll transfer because I needed to keep a job. I was gonna say. So you made sure you still had your well, job. Okay. I said, but don't transfer me as a manager because I know that's different. Just and it would tie you down. Yeah. Just keep me as like put me down in, in this spot and I'll be good. 
um, and I'm going to leave in 30 days. So when you were leaving and you were already thinking, I'm not going to be a manager, what were you thinking you were going to be going out to L.A. to pursue? I mean, I thought I could go do anything. I didn't okay. know what it was, but I thought I could just something completely write, different. Produce, gotcha. Act. I thought I could do anything because you know, like it, anybody you like meet any, there, like, any, like anybody <laughs> yep. you meet there, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I never, you know, you never know because I always love movies, so I, that's my automatic go-to. That's where all movies were. But now I realize it's totally different once you get out there. So speaking of things that are different, and that's where everything is at. We're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back and talk about what happened when you got to LA. We'll be right back. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on Welcome back. So you were about to set sail on this crazy new adventure. You were going from Florida. You came back to Virginia. Let them know what was going on. Go went ahead, got yourself set up. Now you're in LA. How did that journey go? Was it the you just got on a plane and left, or what? What happened? Yeah, I uh, again thirty days after I pretty much I'd made my mind up. I'd gotten a ticket pretty quickly. So within thirty days of me getting back, I was gone. Wow. And Got on a plane. I left my car here because my brother didn't have a car. I said, you okay. just make the payment. You stick with it. It's yours, and I'll figure it out if I need it. Because right. being in New York, you realized You don't need there, a car. You, there's no car. Well, but, and there's nowhere to park in L.A. Right, but in L.A., <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to need a car. Oh. But then I realized, <laughs> quickly, New York, like, I need a car. Oh, yeah, it's so, not like New York. There's no subway. They all make it seem like there's a metro. I would like to see where that Phantom Metro is. <laughs> it's, first of all, it doesn't run that far. No, it doesn't. They, had, like, yeah, totally. they make it seem like it's possible, but it is not. <laughs> no, sir. Yep, yep. Uh, so I ended up buying like some $500 beater car. Oh, my gosh. Those. What kind of car do you remember? It was a Plymouth Acclaim. What? And it was rust-colored, and it bounced. I was going to say, I, if, if you're out there listening and you recognize what a Plymouth Acclaim is, you're definitely over the age of 40. Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> or run, you're approaching. You're right. <laughs> And it bounced when I drove. It was just a crappy car. But I was like, you know what? Just because I didn't realize I needed it so quick and I had a job, I'm like, I got to do it. I got to get it. I got to be able to get around. So Trent had the task of saying, finding us the place to live because it was his idea. Okay. Right. He said he knew some people. Okay. Oh, yeah. So he was out there just, he had already settled out there. Or he was going too. You well, both he, were on the adventure together. Well, he had gone out there because remember modeling he was doing in New York. Right. But you know, they would get him jobs in L.A. So but nobody had set him up already. He still was going out there fresh. Somewhat. Okay. Because he, when he went out to L.A. the few times he'd done for modeling jobs, he did meet some people that he became friends with. Okay. What I didn't realize is that his setup of, like, us having a place to live was somebody's garage floor <laughs> in La Jolla. So, meanwhile, of course, because you're all of 20-nothing, you're yeah. out there like, I'm just going to trust you, blind trust. You go out there and you're like, this this is where we're <laughs> an air mattress on the floor of a daggone thing with no because you know cold nights in certain spaces. Um, sorry, my phone. I put it on by no problem. No worries. So, um, I uh, anyways, I there was no heater at that night, so we had this little space heater. No, and contrary to popular belief, it does get cold in LA. It does at night. Yep. During the day, it's just no, beautiful and gorgeous. That night, it does get cold. But I will say, um, you know who had similar beginnings? John Travolta. He just had a mattress on the floor. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, it could have gone either way. It, 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 it really could have. And I ended up realizing really quick that even though Best Buy paid me well, 
it was, it was not enough to no. live in LA. Okay. So I had I would pick up odds and ends jobs, and I actually picked up a job first thing in the morning that I worked, which was like a call warranty center. Like okay. Where you yeah. Call in yep. for your car warranty if it was going over. You needed to you know get another one kind of thing. I just answer the calls and fill in forms for people and stupid stuff. It's like really clerical and stupid. So to digress for just a moment, so the only job you had had, period, professionally, was Best Buy. And that's it, correct? Is that the only work experience you had, or had you worked other jobs in your team? Throughout high school, I had done busboy at Joe Mima's. That was my first job. Then I had ended up working at another Italian restaurant out in Hampton, which no longer exists near the Coliseum, doing the same thing. I remember that place. Right. Then uh, it became Wendy's for most of high school. Okay. And then I got a job at a smoothie kind of where the Subway stuff is in now in Patrick Henry Mall. Yep, if you yep, back. yep. Right. So there was a sandwich shop that wasn't Subway. It was some bunk kind of bunk yeah. thing. Right. Right. And then right from there, I went to Best Buy right out of high So school. that's what I was going to say. So you're you're going out there, and the only experience you know is odd and end, you know, fast food, restaurant jobs, and Best Buy, mm-hmm. and nothing else. No professional training, nothing. You're just hoping. Just hoping. So you're out. So you go there to do that at Best Buy. So you're at Best Buy. Now you're starting at a warranty place where you're going to be a call center person. Yep. Correct. So I w- yeah. So I would get up in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. I go in. I'd have to be there by five. I'd answer the phones from five till twelve. Then I go home for a two or three hour break. Then I go work at Best Buy at night. Wow. Uh, up until they close, which is generally about ten o'clock, because I was on Sunset in La Brea. Oh, that wow. One, that was okay. the main one right out there. Brings back memories. Yeah, see? Yeah, <laughs> see? So I was, so yeah, I did that. And then on weekends, like, I'd pick up a job, like, say, um, what is that big video game convention that they do out there? Oh, you're talking like about. three. Yeah, you know the, what I'm talking about? the huge Comic-Con uh, yeah, conventions would, that are out there. Oh, dude, I would go out and, like, I got paid, like, $1,500 for four hours to play video games in somebody's, like, dressed up shirt for their video game company. Or I'd go work a dental convention and make $1,500 for four hours of sitting and looking like I'm brushing my teeth, you know. It's so crazy, because how were you finding those jobs? Because I was finding mine on Craigslist out there at that time. Because this is back when Craigslist still had sketchy stuff going on, but now they don't. I was on there actually looking for the real jobs, and I found some odd and end jobs for weird stuff out there like that. Well, uh, actually, it came through some people that I really met at the house that I was renting, uh, or renting the garage. <laughs> renting the garage. The garage. <laughs> I actually became really good friends, and they became my roommates later. They're actually now uh, movie producers. Oh, okay. Brandon and Crystal Veda, uh, I met out there. They actually just produced that new horror movie, uh, The Dreamcatcher. Oh, okay. It just came out like oh, a week ago. nice. So, and they produced Wes Craven's last horror movie before he passed away. Gotta start somewhere. So they, But they were, they were from Orange County. They right. Grew up, and they, at the house, I didn't realize at the time that I was renting the garage from was an agent with... APA. Okay. His name was Tyler. Tyler was tied into Brian Singer. And okay. then, uh, you know, I met Andy Dick over at his house. Like, oh, just, my gosh. Like, it was a whole, like, unique kind of crew of people that would come in that house. And so Brandon and Crystal became, like, very, because they were young, like, uh, like right. so, and they were local, really, because they're yeah. from Orange County. So we just hit it off. And they were... Like actors, yeah, right? and clearly so, you were social enough in that in that time because if you're not social, you won't network. But if you're social, barely start talking, all of a sudden things start happening. What was funny is they struck me as they were really interested. In like, what are these Virginia boys doing yes. here? And what do you think? Like, they could clearly see why Trent's here. Right. Me, I'm so rough around the edges. You're, like, they're what just, are you doing here? They're interested. Like, it's one of those funny things. Is like culture shock, right? Yeah. 
in Virginia, we didn't have so many things in your face. No. Especially back then. I mean, back then it was like in L.A. when I was there. It's It was wild, wild west to a it, degree. It was like a high school. Everybody knew everybody. Right. So it was a lot different than what the TV had per, you know, kind of parade. But right. There were some really dope people like Brandon and Crystal that I met, but then there were people that I thought that when I met them, they were going to be really cool, and I was like, nah. And they were really sketchy. Nah. Well, because <laughs> you realized everybody knew everybody, but everybody was also trying to like one-up everybody. Everyone, yep. Gas everybody, and... I'm not that way. So to me, it's like, if you say something to me, I'm going to hold you to that. Right. Like, I'm a man of my word. I'm going to hold you to that. But right. in that, it didn't work. Right. And me, growing up, I had so many different friends at different places right. that I thought of friendship differently. So it enlightened me that there were people that I thought were friends that were right. cool that turned out to be well, just... And did you find that when you told people that you were from Virginia, that yeah. they got this vision that you were from a farm Pretty and much. a mountain Pretty much. and j- didn't have plumbing? And yeah. Pretty much. Yes, that was the kind of vibe that they were giving out there. It's hilarious. Well, obviously, my accent didn't do me any favors at that moment either. Uh, yes. Because it was strong <laughs> Southern in that point to them. They're yes. Like, You're definitely not from here. <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, I met them and then uh, they would... Because they were actors, they were always finding these odds and ends jobs. That's true. You'd be good for this? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why don't I get you hooked up with this? Things like that kind of organically happened to me that I just did not expect. But it was all through the nature of the relationships that, you know, I ended up meeting right there on that damn garage floor. Right. On the garage floor. (laughs) I I still can't get... So what year are we talking in that time? You're on the garage floor. This is what now, like 2003? Yep. Okay. Yep. So 2003, you're, you're hustling. The hustle game is strong. How long were you able to maintain that momentum? Did it lead to anything big or to anything, any wild, crazy adventures that happened that were unexpected? Oh, there's a lot, actually. I mean, it, it, What would be like your top two events that were completely well, unexpected? I'll say to meet some people that I really like. Again, to this day, I have good relationships with. The real Fantastic. true ones. Right. I'll say um, one of the people that Trent knew from moving around there became very close with me and I still to this day love them to death because they actually looked after me in a way they never had to. Right. Oh, okay. So coming from that familial standpoint right. that I didn't have that right. they were really cool in doing it. And I'm gonna give them a shout out on this and I hope I can get them to listen to, to this. Right. their names David and JL. They they've been a couple for God now thirty years. So before everybody was comfortable with Having a gay married couple, right. they made it that way. Right. They were strong in that sense. Right. And they were so kind and so giving. And Dave is a player. Like mm-hmm. when I say not a player in the sense like player right. back in the day, you know what I mean? But he is he's a boss. Yeah. He doesn't have to help anybody out he doesn't want to help out. Right. But he's such a genuine dude. And, and JL, his other hat, it's like they're this perfect completion of okay. a couple. Nice. And they lived up in the Hollywood Hills. Had the nice Which house. you know is so odd in 2003. Back then? Yes. Because, you know. LA Everyone was still on the low. But they were, they didn't care. That's fantastic. And, but because Dave. Authentic. Yeah. And because Dave had a power position. Mm-hmm. A, I don't want to throw his last right. name out. That's fine. I mean, I don't want to. That's fine. Put Dave on blast. But Dave, Dave didn't have to. Neither did JL. And so to this day, I love them to death. That's fantastic. When we had to move out of the garage floor and we needed a temporary place <laughs> to stay, their couch was just fine and they were cool. One step up, it's a higher area than the garage oh, floor. Dude, dude, you, you didn't want to leave because yep. they had this infinity pool. You stand across at the Hollywood sign. You're like, 
Get out of here. I'm like, great. I'm, yeah, you feel, you're feeling like it's your, but you're not, you're like, no, it's not mine. Like, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's not mine. But no, they, that, meeting Crystal, Brandon, uh, my buddy Josh Henderson, I can't mm-hmm. say that. Me and him became very good friends. Um, and there's some other people, you know, that I just became very cool with. So those relationships, I think, was kind of like the big thing. Now, of course, we got like party moments and crazy right. stuff and, you know, all, all LA type stories that I could give you. But no, I, um, I did, and I recognized the lesson for what I thought things were versus what the world thought they were. Absolutely. Absolutely. I realized that there really is this different thing. It's actually kind of funny how it's unfolding now. Okay. I knew these things back then because of my relationships. Like Tom Cruise being, yep. you know, looking, looking, looking for a wife. <laughs> yeah. Looking yeah. for a specific type person. Come on. <laughs> buddy like, yeah. when it comes out that he's jumping on couches and stuff i'm like man i already knew he like i yeah. knew that because i saw the emails that went out right like, i it's just weird that the access that it takes so long like you know you see what happened with brian singer and the things that came out right i knew because yeah people like dave jl like the really good ones would be like watch yourself well, and it was funny that you were commenting on um, the 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 whole thing that happened when Britney Spears had her meltdown before we were coming on here. It was yeah. uh, it was crazy because I was out there post all of that, and you end up talking to people, working with people. I was working with producers, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this and this and this is actually what happened behind the scenes." And you're like, "What?" And it's like, "Yes, this is a real world behind the scenes look." If you start networking and you talk to the right people, and you're not even actually searching. But they're presenting the facts, and you're like, well, I guess that makes sense. I just, the tabloids made it look so different. It's, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of, it's a, an eye-opening experience. When you get the on the ground floor, yep. the real stuff, and you see things, you're like, everything is painted in the media as like something it's not to sell something to somebody for some reason. Yep. And it's eye-opening in that. So I will always thank, you know, anybody in L.A. for like that time period. Being there and seeing it. So how long were you there for? Five years. So you were out there for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, while we're getting ready to take a break, definitely we're going to come back and talk about what your biggest lesson learned that you took with you to get you to the place that you're at now. We'll be right back. Turn it up. Not him. 